This episode is sponsored by Code Health. Code connects healthcare providers to the largest community of medical coding professionals in the country with over 4,600 domestic certified coders. As a single stop for all coding needs, Code's on-demand model has solved for daily staffing challenges and coding inefficiencies by allowing providers to access the right coder at the right time while gaining insights to better manage their coding operations. To learn more about Code, visit CodeHealth.com, that's K-O-D-E Health.com, or email Code directly at partnerships at CodeHealth.com. Hello, and welcome to Voices in Healthcare Finance. I'm Erica Grotto. Today on the podcast, we're going straight to the hospital. For this week's series segment on the revenue cycle, we're talking with Kristen Mazurik of Geisinger Health System about routine inpatient stays. Betty Hinch will bring us five fast facts about hospital financing program use. But first, here's Rich Daly with the news. This is Rich Daly, Senior Writer and Editor for HFMA, with your news headlines on healthcare finance, policy, and practice. Major legislation was expected to be signed into law on October 24th, which aims to address the opioid crisis. It also includes changes to Medicare's hospital patient survey. In September, Congress cleared the Bipartisan Support for Patients and Communities Act, which includes several provisions that affect hospitals. Among them are changes to the HCAP survey, including a revision to HCAP's measures starting in 2020 that will bar questions about pain-related communication by hospital staff with patients unless such questions take into account whether a patient experiencing pain was informed about the risks of opioids and about non-opioid alternatives for pain management. In other news, additional state expansions of Medicaid eligibility were among the expected developments in the program's coming year. Cindy Mann, former director of the Center for Medicaid under President Barack Obama, told insurers meeting in Washington, D.C. recently that she expected more states to join the 33 states and Washington, D.C. in approving eligibility expansions allowed under the Affordable Care Act. Idaho, Utah, and Nebraska all have ballot measures during the November election to approve full expansion. Also in the news, a new survey found the area where hospitals struggle most to find savings is in their efforts to reduce or eliminate services. It is a tricky and politically fraught area in which 6 in 10 hospitals made no progress at all over the last year. That's according to a new survey by Kaufman Hall. Effective approaches to overcoming such barriers include becoming a center of excellence in certain areas, said a Kaufman Hall advisor. For more details on these stories and other daily news updates in healthcare finance, check out our website at hfma.org forward slash news. In 2014, as I prepared for the arrival of my first child, I quickly learned that everybody has a crazy birth story to share. Some are weather-related. My mom was born during a blizzard and my aunt was born during a flood. Some have to do with making it to the hospital right on time, or worse, not making it to the hospital on time. A few months ago, my daycare provider sent me a story from the BBC about New Zealand's associate transport minister who rode her bicycle to the hospital at 42 weeks pregnant so she could be induced. Up to now, you've been listening to segments I pre-recorded during my pregnancy. This week, I'm back from maternity leave and happy to report that baby Grotto arrived safe and healthy at the end of August. 
No blizzard, no flood, and certainly no bicycle ride, but she did surprise us by coming nine days early, which incidentally meant that I was in the hospital on the day I'd planned to record the interview you're about to hear. So thanks to Betty Hinch for jumping in and doing so in my absence. Hospitals need to get ready too, anytime a patient has a planned procedure in patient stay. Today, we're bringing you an interview with Kristen Mazurik, Manager of Patient Financial Services at Geisinger Health in Danville, Pennsylvania, about best practices in the revenue cycle for routine inpatient visits. So normally what we do is we would, um, you know, want to make sure that the patient um, is scheduled for their service. And then at that point, that's when we go ahead and go through um, any type of financial conversations, verification of benefits for the services. It really does not differ depending on the type of service. You know, we would follow the same process. Um, you know, regardless of cost, we always want to make sure that we are making the patient aware of their outstanding obligations prior to any services are being performed. What should that conversation look like related to um, payment? Uh, does that differ depending on uh, whether the procedure or service is optional or at least something a patient can put off for a time or if, if they can't afford their share? Depending if the patient is insured or uninsured, we may take a different approach. Um, for patients who are insured for their services, we would go ahead and educate the patient on any insurance benefits that they have as well as any outstanding obligations. At that point, we would then go over any payment options that are available to the patient. If they weren't able to afford the outstanding obligation, we would review our payment options that we have available as well as any financial assistance that is available. When a patient is uninsured and does not have any benefits to cover their services, at that point, we would determine if the patient may qualify for any type of state or local funding, such as medical assistance. And, um, you know, if they do qualify, then we would make sure that we get them enrolled so that their upcoming services would be covered. But at that point, if we determine that they are not eligible, then we would then again go ahead and review any payment options that are available to the patient, as well as financial assistance. Do you have that conversation before the patient comes in uh, for their service, or is that something that tends to happen after the service is provided? We do, um, you know, we do no normally have the conversation prior to the services. Of course, if it's something that's scheduled, you know, in a short time frame, maybe within 24 to 48 hours, sometimes that prevents us from having the conversation prior to the services. But when it is a scheduled services, normally our services are scheduled out um, where it allows us enough time to be able to have the conversation with the patient prior to them coming in. How do you benchmark your revenue cycle performance? Many organizations measure success compared to past performance. Others leverage software to benchmark against other facilities that share the same technology. But that only paints part of the picture. What about comparing your performance to your peers? Peers that you define in custom peer groups. MapApp is the online benchmarking tool from HFMA that helps organizations compare their performance against data from more than 600 facilities. Interested in taking the next steps to identify your revenue cycle opportunities? Visit hfma.org forward slash MapApp. And now it's time for Fast Five, five fast facts about a hot topic in healthcare. Today, we are sharing five trends about patients who use financing to meet healthcare payments. 
as experienced by Oregon-based Samaritan Health Services, a network of hospitals, clinics, and health services. Many patients who take advantage of financing to pay their health care bills have health insurance. The growing use of high deductibles and other costs after insurance mean that patients have higher out-of-pocket costs and turn to financing options. All ages enroll in financing programs. Although people in their 50s have been the largest group of account holders, other age segments follow closely behind. Even seniors are taking advantage of health care financing as Medicare does not always cover medical bills completely. More women take advantage of finance options. In 2016, 57% of financing account holders at Samaritan Health Services were women, while 34% were men. Patients often need financing more than once. Driving this trend are patients with chronic conditions and families needing care and financial assistance for more than one patient at a time. Tech-enabled convenience is critical. Online payment capabilities, portals, and email alerts are the most often used capabilities. These tips come from Kim Clift of Samaritan Health Services and Tammy Kuhn of Health First Financial. Read more at hfma.org slash rcs slash patient financing trends. Voices in Healthcare Finance is produced by the Healthcare Financial Management Association and written and hosted by Erica Grotto. The news segment is written and recorded by Rich Daly. Additional reporting was done this week by Betty Hinch. Sound editing is by Brian Kuhn. HFMA's president and CEO is Joe Pfeiffer. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. And don't forget to tell a friend or colleague if you like what you're hearing. If you're a healthcare provider with a story to share, or if you'd just like to get in touch with our team, you can email us at podcast at hfma.org.